0: You are Locked on Kings, your daily podcast on the Sacramento Kings. Part of the Locked on Podcast
1: Network, your team every day.
0: Like we said yesterday on the Locked on Kings podcast, Kings players believe the playoffs are still in the mix for this team, but if they are going to make it, they have to handle their business basically every night from here on out. And here's a great opportunity for the Kings to continue their winning ways as they are in San Francisco tonight to take on the Golden State Warriors inside Oracle Arena. Sean Cunningham from ABC 10, one of the best journalists here in Sacramento, who's covered the Sacramento Kings for a long time. He is joining me here today on the Locked on Kings podcast. He just got back from L.A. where he was there for the Kings win over the Clippers and then for all of the uh, memorial celebrations uh, for Kobe Bryant and Gigi Bryant down there inside the Staples Center. You're going to want to hear everything that he has to say not just about the kings but about uh, that entire weekend that he spent in la all of it on today's episode of the locked on kings podcast hello everybody welcome into locked on kings your hub for sacramento kings coverage all regular season all off season if you're looking for in-depth analysis game by game breakdowns highlights interviews with local and national experts full coverage of the sacramento kings from january through december this is the place for you My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I've been a Sacramento sports radio host for over the last five years. This is my sixth season covering the Kings both as a radio host and a multimedia journalist and reporter. And I love uh, that I get the opportunity to work with Sacramento media can now call many of them. My friends, including Sean, uh, who you will hear from here very, very shortly. This interview is going to dominate the podcast here today, but you're going to want to listen to every second. He always provides a lot of in-depth information, his opinion, uh, uh, is something that you have to pay a lot of attention to because of how plugged in uh, he is to this Kings organization. If you don't know who Sean Cunningham is, hopefully you will know and appreciate who he is by the end of this podcast, and you need to check him out. Follow him on social media. Check out his work on ABC10. Check out ABC10's uh, YouTube channel with all the uh, the video content that he provides. He is everywhere uh, that there is to... If there's a camera there uh, or camera access for the Sacramento Kings, Sean Cunningham is there. So without any further ado, here is my conversation with ABC 10's Sean Cunningham about the Sacramento Kings and the emotional but great weekend uh, in Los Angeles. It's been a bit since I've talked with this gentleman, but I always enjoy having him on the Locked on Kings podcast. Sean Cunningham from ABC10 is one of the uh, the best journalists out there in Sacramento. I've said it a million times. If you're looking for someone to give you unique, uh, in-depth content, we'll bring you into the locker room, will bring you behind the scenes uh, of the Sacramento Kings organization and provide fantastic coverage uh, of all the players that come through this organization and the coaches as well. Sean Cunningham is that guy. He is just back from L.A. where he was present at the Kings win in the Staples Center over the Los Angeles Clippers and he was also there uh, to witness uh, all that was happening around the uh, the Kobe and Gigi Bryant uh, memorial celebration inside the Staples Center that happened yesterday. A lot of Kings uh, players, uh, head coach Luke Walton, broadcaster Gary Gerald and many others connected with the organization uh, were there present for that fantastic ceremony uh, and Sean's nice enough to take the time here uh, to join us on the Locked On Kings podcast. Sean, always good to hear from you, my friend. Glad you brought back uh, or you got back safe. I'm sure it was a very emotional weekend uh, in Los Angeles.
1: Yeah, I mean it was. Um, thanks, Matt, for having me. I always, I always, I always love your intro because uh, it kind of reinvigorates me about what I do. It's uh, here like the perfect hype man. So I need you to like leave a message for my boss on their <laughs> voicemail or something. But no, I appreciate it. Yeah, it was a. Well, weekend down in L.A. Um, it's been great being down here, um, kind of seeing a, a couple different angles and localizing not only the Kobe, Kobe Bryant tribute, like, like you mentioned, but, yeah, following the Kings, who were all of a sudden playing their best basketball this season, in my opinion. And uh, they decided to spend a couple of days in L.A. because, as luck would have it, the entire Kings team, you mentioned a few of the ones that, that stood out, but, to be honest, the entire Kings team uh, staff uh, and, and uh Organ- organization that was embedded down here they, they were all able to attend the uh, Kobe Bryant and Gigi Bryant Memorial at Staples Center yesterday.
0: Awesome. And you were not present inside the building for the memorial, but you were outside where there are a bunch of fans gathered. And I've always been—I uh, I wanted to just go down there to see just the Staples Center area, see all of what the fans have done, all the memorials. Uh, uh, you also have posted pictures on your uh, your your Twitter account of this fantastic wall, also on your Instagram, this this wall mural uh, that an artist painted of Kobe and Gigi. Just it, it's an un- otherworldly, almost something you would see in a movie. It seems like down there in L.A and you, uh, you got to experience that. Can you share for those of us who who weren't down there what it was like just being there in that environment?
1: Yeah, well, I'll start, I'll start kind of chronologically because when we got down here, um, everything, obviously we wanted to have a Kings focus, but obviously you've got players and coaches like Luke Walton who have a tie to Kobe. Um, all the all these guys, you have guys that like Buddy Heald who grew up idolizing the guy in the Bahamas someone like Bogie, uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich, who was overseas and idolized from afar and never really got to compete against him, even even internationally, but had always admired from afar. And we'll never forget the, the moment that he was able to meet him, especially in this past summer at the FIBA World Cup. Um, you know, he, he had a moment with Kobe in China. There was a Nike event, and uh, he said that would always, he'll always remember that. And that was, you know, when, when Kobe passed away in that crash, he felt like he lost a member of his family. So even that that small moment, I think a lot of fans who, you know, even if they hated Kobe Bryant, they hated the the memory of Kobe Bryant. I think they could all kind of relate to that, and that's kind of what a lot of the Kings fans, especially even staffers. I mean, look, you've got Vlade Divac, Pedro Stojakovic, Bobby Jackson, the assistant coach, and and obviously you know Doug Christie from the radio side, and he's on the broadcast. And as you know, Matt. that's a hard guy for him to talk about. I mean, he competed against him at the highest level, and Kobe Bryant was responsible for breaking his heart. Right. Um, And, you know, I know Chris Webber very well, and, and, you know, Chris can, he can't, it it gets him sick to talk about these playoff series, um, and so many people obviously want to do it every now and then, and just he can't bring himself to a place where he can talk about it. It just absolutely clams him up. So at At the same time, with all of that in mind, um, pushing forward through what was down here, We knew that Saturday we wanted to be at some of these murals because the entire city and outlying areas have these giant murals, as you talked about a minute ago. And we thought, you know, what a better way to kind of show just the impact that Kobe's memory, even almost a month later from the crash, has resonated throughout the area. And we were aware, and I didn't know it was even this much, but it was actually eclipsed this much. We knew of 50 memorials and we had, addre- excuse me, murals that we had addresses to. Wow. And then just going throughout downtown alone, Hollywood, some of these other areas, as we were looking at some of these murals, um, they became even great. We found even more. And if it, now it's over 100, um, and it's just incredible. So, with that in mind, and knowing that, look, AEG and Staples Center, obviously, if you were watching the memorial yesterday, you saw a lot of surprises. You know, you didn't, there was no program. There was no, if you were attending this memorial and you showed up and you went inside, and lucky enough to, you know, get a ticket from the lottery uh, that you were able to purchase, that the tickets, the, the, you know, the admission cost went to the foundation, um, you you couldn't just get a ticket. You know, there was a, there was a, a luck to it. There was a, a a lottery draw that you had to have. So, Let's say you're in New York and you're, you're on this waiting list for tickets and you win. It's like, well, got to go. Got to yep. go if you, you, you have to decide right then whether you can make it or not. So obviously it's a sold-out event, but you show up, they give you a little program, but you still don't really know what the line of events are. You don't know who's speaking. You don't know who's going to be performing. You don't know what's going to happen. So all of a sudden you're just sitting there and, oh, here comes Beyonce. <laughs> so one of the, because of that, it was so secret. They didn't want to allow a lot of media in. There were a lot of teams that were down here. Look. You saw, I mean, you saw it. Uh, you saw a lot of people, if you watched it yesterday, other teams, you had the Spurs, you had luminaries from around the NBA, you had entertainment and everything like that. You know, these whole teams wanted to be here. The Spurs had played the previous night. They came down here. James Harden played later that night. Right. Uh, what Russell, it was important for them to be here. So because of that, they had really limited even access to the media into there. So what we wanted to do was see, for the people who really wanted to be there, who couldn't be there, we wanted to see what it was going to be like from their eyes. So we had two crews down here, and we went down there. Lena Washington and myself. We got as near as close to LA Live and Staples Center as we could. Luckily, we were able to get to the LA Live area. And what the city had done was close off blocks around Staples Center, and that was very unique because they've had memorials at Staples before with Michael Jackson and Nipsey Hussle. Um, so, then <laughs> showing the showing things outside on the big screens in LA Live, and people would gather. They didn't want to do that with Kobe Bryant. The memorial. They wanted to close off all those areas and barricade that off and encourage people not to come down here. Well, that's kind of a pipe dream. (laughs) Kobe Bryant probably meant more to this city than even those people did through a pop culture standpoint. So, uh, and just the tragic circumstances of his of his uh, of his passing. So, people wanted to be down here. You saw. You saw figaroa lineup for blocks with street vendors. you had fans down here you had people that just wanted to come down here and sit and watch on their phones you had people that just wanted to gather you had people who we saw about 20 25 cars who've all you heard that show pimp my ride yeah all of them had, had done custom rides with in honor of kobe bryant and stuff that they've had on there that are laker fans that it's all decked out to kobe it was it was really incredible it was surreal it was very moving um it was something that was a little bit overwhelming i'm not the Look, I've had my own personal moments with Kobe that were, were, they were very great in covering him uh, as a member of, and as an opponent of the Kings since 2001 and also with USA Basketball. But with that in mind, um, you, know, you admire the man as a competitor, uh, and, and I had never really had that moment yet to uh, really get emotional. It's a very sad story, but you're also a journalist, and you're also kind of processing it in your own way. But, boy, I'll tell you, when, when, when Beyoncé went to Halo, man, that, that mm. kind of got me. And I'm a music guy, I'm a pop music guy, I love, I love pop music. And uh, when, when, that, when it kind of took, took that turn in the, in the beginning to, of the entire memorial, it was incredible. It was absolutely incredible. And the Vanessa Bryant thing, I think, obviously spoke uh, right. volumes to her courage to be able to get up there in front of twenty thousand people and, and deliver a message like that when she's not in the public eye. She's in the public eye because of Kobe, but never in one to to you know gravitate to a microphone and be a public speaker, just be a mother and a wife and a, and, a, and being strong in that regard. So yeah, it was it was very overwhelming and incredible experience, and and it's something that. This city, it's going to linger throughout this city, throughout L.A. for a very, very long time.
0: Yeah, I know personally the watching the entire memorial all the way through uh, on uh, on television. Just uh, also Alicia Keys's performance, Christina Aguilera with mm. Ave Maria at the end, which completely uh, surprised me with uh, with that choice of song and her her singing of it. And then you talk about the speeches. Yeah. I was talking with Jason Ross uh, here at Sports 1140. That was the first time in my lifetime since being a kid uh, where you can't really comprehend everything. That's the first time that I've heard Michael Jordan speak uh, in such a way, and, and he was incredible. Of course, Shaquille O'Neal providing some uh, some much-needed um humor and, and relief to the entire situation, Vanessa Bryant, her fantastic speech. Um, I'm blanking on his last name, uh, but head coach Gino with the, uh, the UConn oh, Huskies. Oh, yeah, Gino
1: Ariema. Yeah, mm-hmm.
0: his, his delivery, everything. It was just one of those events that I will remember forever. Uh, so really quickly, before we move on to, to actual Kings basketball, I wanted to make sure I got this in. Where can those who want to see your coverage and see the angles of the story that you provided being down there, where can they check that out?
1: Yeah, I appreciate that. Yeah, I mean, uh, there's a sports page at abc10.com check out the latest videos you can even go just to the videos themselves from uh, abc10.com but actually one of the places we like to encourage people to go is our youtube page because we put so much content now on our on our station's youtube page and our own sports department has a off-brand uh youtube account that's affiliated with abc10 and we wanted it to ref- reflect norcal North sports and so we were figuring out a clever name to come up with and Uh, We landed on Hella Sports because that's all you're going to find is Hella Sports on (laughs) this YouTube page. So any one of those platforms, you can find it. I would say Hella Sports is probably the one where you'll find practically everything and stuff, some things that don't end up on on the sports page of ABC10.com. So either one, uh, you can't go wrong. Sometimes the the website can get a little bit bogged down with everything that's up there. So if you just want sports, um, feel free to take a look at Hella Sports on YouTube.
0: Fantastic. Well, Sean, thank you so much uh, for that. Now let's talk about the L.A. Clippers win. It's the first time in 15 years that the Kings have beaten the Clippers in L.A. Uh, twice during the regular season, something I don't think any of us predicted, not just going into the season, but especially with how this season has gone. But to me, Sean, it was the way that the Kings managed to get this victory. The fact that, uh, yes, Paul George wasn't playing, but Kawhi was. This is one of the best teams in the West, one of the best teams in the NBA, and the Kings closed out the game on a 13-2 run allowed just two points from the Clippers over the final uh, five and a half plus minutes. Uh, and how many times, Sean, have we seen, not just me, you, in the amount of times that you've covered the Sacramento Kings, how many times have we seen the Kings in this situation where they play well for the majority of the game, they give up the lead late, and then the better team just closes them out. They're not able to get over that proverbial hump. They were able to do it in Staples Center on Saturday, and that quality of win, I think, speaks volumes.
1: It sure does, and it, and it really coincides with them playing the best ball at the, at the right time of the year. Um, look, realistically, if we're sitting there and we're trying to wager on this, neither one of us is going to go and try and pick the Kings to make the playoffs. But this—I mean, that's, that's just a word that shouldn't come out of any of the fans' mouths at this point. But yeah. all of a sudden, don't tell that to the players because there is a sense of urgency. And I think that all begins with what Kent Bazemore and Anthony Tolliver, of all right. people, um, when they came to this team, uh, they really – <laughs> spoke up in the locker room to that team and as it's been told to me they're looking at him like you're right here the, the west is so wide open look at the remaining schedule there's no reason why you can't be in contention and what do you got to lose um so picking up the team's spirits um you've got a you know you've got four new players four new players that come in here with all fresh attitudes and fresh approaches to this lineup and i think i mean you look at just the impact Baysmore's had alone i mean granted he was terrific and with the Clippers uh, in, the, in that Clippers win, uh, he was actually terrific in the one just a couple weeks ago that you mentioned. Um, he's been an absolute spark, especially on the defensive end. And then it, everyone's playing a role. I mean, look at that was Alex Len's debut. Yeah, and I think people, you know, think, you think of Alex Len, and the first thing you think of is a bust because he was a number one pick. Well, he's number one pick, but pretend that didn't happen. I know that's being a little, you know, facetious, but pretend that didn't happen. He didn't come to the Kings as a number one pick. He came to a guy to a team that you know. In a trade, so Atlanta coming over from Atlanta, the guy's been very serviceable. All you know is what you know from this season, where he's you know capable of putting up some points, shooting thirty six percent, I think it is from three. But more importantly, grabbing rebounds, playing defense, and being just a a solid force, a guy that sets really good screens. I mean, look what the thing I pointed out. Actually, tweeted this the other day, which uh, from the game I said, look, how long have the Kings been known as a nice team? I mean, Dave Yeager used to publicly kind of poke fun at at, the, at, their, at his roster about how nice they were and that they don't have a guy like Alex Lynn who's kind of that enforcer. And, and it's harder in this in this day and age to be an enforcer in basketball, but, gosh, you really need somebody to who can still be capable of doing that, playing physical, kind of being a little bit of an intimidating force. And I'm not trying to make Alex Lynn out to be anything he's not. I mean, he only played, you know, what, 10, 10 minutes, so 10 or 12 minutes or whatever. But my point being is having someone like that on the roster helps – it, trickle, it has a trickle-down effect, and I think you saw it really in that Clipper game. Um, Kings went in there, and everyone played a role, and I haven't even mentioned Harry Giles yet because, oh my gosh, Harry Giles is a, as a starting center right now is doing things that everybody has been wanting to see from Harry Giles, everything that they've been hoping to see from Harry Giles, right. and oh, by the way, he's not, he's, not being, he's not in foul trouble. And even I'm thinking back to the game in Sacramento before this road trip when he did get in foul trouble, Realize he's got four fouls and now he has to play a little bit differently. And he was capable of being very effective all the while trying to keep the stay out of foul trouble after already getting into foul trouble. And I think that's a big step in the evolution of his game for a guy who still doesn't have a lot of, you know, basketball minutes in the NBA under his belt yet.
0: I want to ask you about Kent Bazemore cause I'm glad, glad you brought him up. But since you mentioned Harry Giles too, I have to sneak this in really quick in your opinion to me, the likelihood of Harry Giles returning next season is is really really low. With the fact that the Kings, the head scratching decision of them deciding not to uh, not to pick up his uh, his fourth year option on his rookie contract, uh, they are now limited in what they can offer him this summer. In your mind, in your opinion, or based off of your understanding of the organization, how likely would you say Harry Giles returning to the Sacramento Kings next season is?
1: Well, realistically, and I'm only doing it because of, of my own belief and, and what I've seen from history, I don't think it's high. I think they, I mean, you know, first of all, when you're, when you're trying to send a message to a guy and you're, and you're trying to say we want you to earn it, um, you're not showing the guy love. And, and look, this isn't coming from Harry or his side. I mean, look, he still loves, he, he loves the opportunity that he has, but he's going to try to, to say, okay, oh, great, I'm going to try to earn this. But you, they've kind of handcuffed themselves. So when you can't go above the money, that you can offer him, uh, for, that, that you were going to offer him next year when you can't go above that, yeah. uh, in the per year part of it, then yeah, you're really handcuffed. So for me, no, I don't think it's very likely that Harry Giles <laughs> will be on this Kings team. And, and I think, you know, fans will have a hard time hearing that, but I think they should, they should have expected this based off of the move that they did at the beginning of the season. And again, I say history because I, not, I can't think of, I'm sure it's happened before and I've done some research, but it. it you can't really think of anyone that's that's a first-round pick that a team has declined to pick up their option, who all of a sudden turns around and resigns. Right. And I know there's, I know there's, um, it, it may have happened once, maybe twice, but by and large, it never happened. I mean, that's, you're talking below ten percent. Uh, so, if that's being the case, I can tell you flat out, though, that this organization really believes that they can (laughs) do this front office really believes that they can keep him if they want and they know they say they know what they're doing with harry That 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 they're confident and i think there is a little bit of a of a misnomer out there that even though it might be well-intentioned the reality of the situation is you probably there's probably going to be a team that will take a a flight uh do a low risk high reward to offer him just more than what the kings can do now the kings can offer years i think there was a report out there the other day it was erroneous that they can only add a, a one. Year, they can only offer him one year. That's not true. And they can offer him multiple years. What they can't do is the money. They can't go over the per year amount of money. What of what they can offer from the uh, next season, that they declined on that option. So they can't go over what they owe him on the option. But the years are there. They could offer him a multi year deal. They just can't do. It's, it's not just one year that they could do. So don't pay attention to the years. Pay attention to the money. And if a team wants to go above that. Then, then, the kings will be out of luck. So, the reality of it is probably not. But I can tell you, that I, I even talking to people this during this trip in LA, they're still very. I mean, they're telling you straight to your face, looking dead in your eye, and they're saying, "No, I know what we're doing with Harry, and they're confident that they're going to be that, that if things go well and progress well like they are going right now, that they'll still be able to keep him, um, and that that message has been learned, has been has gotten through. But Again, the reality of it is I don't necessarily agree with it, but I can just tell you what they're thinking, and I can just tell you what I feel. So at the end of this long question and kind of explaining it all, no, I don't think Harry will be here because I do expect him to play well, and I do just expect the team to come in and offer more money.
0: I think we're on the same page there and regardless of if the Kings make the playoffs this year or not, this upcoming summer is going to be very important. The Kings have a lot of major decisions to make. One is what they do with Harry Giles and if they can bring him back, of course uh, the the expected matching of whatever offer uh, Bogdan Bogdanovich receives. But I've put a something towards the top of my importance list or must-have list uh, for the Kings this summer and that's finding a way to re-sign Ken Bazemore. I have been absolutely blown away uh, with how he has played since coming in. I think I feel like he has filled a lot of the void uh, that this Kings locker room lost when Iman Schumpert was traded at the trade deadline last season. He's just come in. He's been a better version of Iman Shumpert. Uh, can space the floor. Is fantastic on both ends. Uh, and just that leader and that presence in the locker room that I think you and I both agree the Kings have... Lacked for the last year, so in your mind, is is signing Kent? Am I putting too much uh, faith and importance in Kent Bazemore? Do you think signing him should be a a pretty significant or top priority for the Kings this summer, based off of how he's played?
1: Um, I think both can be true. I mean, look, I you know, I don't think it's um, I don't think it's a it's it's such a bad thing to look at the impact that, that Kent Bazemore's had and say, oh, we got to resign this guy. The Kings have to resign this guy. He's been look at how effective he's been. I will warn it's a small sample size, but there's no denying the impact that he's had on his team, especially within that locker room. And I think the Iman Shumpert comparison is, is, yeah, it it is actually, there's something there in terms of maybe the impact and just kind of the, the loose, uh, the loose personality, um, keeping everybody loose, but also sending a message and, and, And having that kind of tight core locker room and and being a good uh, fit within the personalities of the locker room, I think that definitely is apropos. But I will say I do agree with you. Yeah, his impact in the short amount of time on the court has been very good, a two-way player. Um, The one thing I would just caution, though, is obviously this is going to be a very important uh, offseason for the Kings. There's not a lot of free agents, and the better Kent Kent Bazemore will play, other teams will take notice as well. Um, The one thing I do think is, when in talking about someone like Bazemore, the Kings haven't had a lot of success in free agents. A lot of the free agents that come over here end up being a little bit past their prime, mm-hmm. a little bit older, and they bring them in to want to bring them in to have a good impact in the locker room. Well, Kent's able to do that. and He's in the prime of his career. Um, this is a guy that, that, you, that could fit that role very, very well. Um, I think he does have a nice fit on this team, especially when you don't have a lot of defenders on the team as it is. But um, with the money that they have dedicated – that could be a little tricky. So, um, I don't know if it's a must sign. I'm kind of with you though. I, I you know, I am with you in the, in, what he's, in, the, in the impact that he's had this season, but yeah, I mean, I, I think you kind of have to let it play out a little bit. I think you also need to identify as the Kings have identify what those options are. At least the one thing you know right now, through however many games I'm blanking it's, I think it's been there for uh, almost 15 games now with Sacramento. Um, In the time that he's had here, you already have some proof in the pudding, so to speak. You have something you can look at and say, look, this is a positive impact, positive impact, and look at the record with Kent Bazemore since he's come over from Portland, and uh, you have something that you can point to and say, well, with the personalities that currently exist on this team, it it is a nice fit right now in the the small sample size.
0: Sean, I think you and I both agree. In fact, I know we both agree on uh, the... It's not quite that time to use the P word and to start talking about and considering playoffs this season. It's still mathematically is possible, and I'm glad that the players uh, believe in it. I would be more concerned uh, if the players didn't believe that they had a chance and that they were just quitting and folding on the season. But I, you, a lot of people uh, still need a little more convincing. I said on yesterday's podcast that if the Kings are going to make the playoffs this year, they have to play their most consistent basketball uh, in this entire 14-plus uh, year drought, which is hard hard to imagine them being able to do based off of the history of this team and just how this season alone has gone. But let me ask you this very broad, uh, very uh, there's a lot of ways to answer this question. So whatever you can give me is great. What do the Kings have to do uh, besides the obvious just win games in order to make the playoffs this year? What needs to happen if that's going to be a, a possibility?
1: I think they have to get. I have. To, I mean, I think they have to continue to play well with the core that they have. That's been enduring the injuries that they've had. But they have to. They have to get Rashawn Holmes and Marvin Bagley back. I think that's really the only way that this happens. Um, I think. Look, while they played well over a month stretch, and they've added incorporated four new pieces, um, a lot of that can be said to a little bit of fatigue around the All Star break from opponents. As the Kings are kind of getting a little bit refreshed, um, some of these. The Kings are playing a little bit better because of the injuries and guys are stepping into the roles. But how long can that fault look withstand? Yep. Especially now when, as, as you know, look, bad teams tend to wilt during the final 20 or so games of the season when they know that they don't have a playoff to run and they can sit there and, I don't want to use the word tank, but obviously some guy's not going to come back as quickly from an injury if they're already out of it. Um, unless you're somebody like the Warriors who have had, you know, just – terrible run of injuries all season and you want to get, you want to reward your fans with seeing some of the stars like Steph Curry on the floor um, before the season ends and in, in that brand new building. So uh, there is that element to it. With the Kings though, they want to finish strong. They want to rack up as many wins as they can. They're not necessarily thinking of tanking. They need, they need what, what, what their front office will tell you is they still don't have the sample size of seeing these guys together to where they can evaluate it. And, that might not be something fans want to hear, but I think that's I think that's pretty true. If you think of any business and you have your you have your goals set out in front of you and what you want to do, and you, you, there are hindrances or setbacks or delays or whatever whatever that might be preventing you from actually seeing that product, do you just cut it all off and try a new approach? You could, or you could just say, well, we know that these things are coming eventually, and we should we should just hold the course. Be patient. Hopefully we'll be able to see that before the end of the year. And hopefully they'll have a, little, a few more games to be able to uh, uh, truly evaluate. But if if Marvin Bagley comes back, I think that would be tremendous. But if it doesn't, at least you know that it looks like, despite his labrum problem in his shoulder, that he'll ultimately need surgery at some point in the offseason. Uh, getting Rashawn Holmes back would be a huge step in the right direction, especially considering how well he's played. So that'll only help the defense. It'll only help the rebounding that – that has been sorely missing with these, with the absence of these two guys. So, in order for them to do well, I think they just have to they have to incorporate at least one of those guys back, and hope that it doesn't disrupt some of the momentum that the this team has has built in their absence with incorporating these four new guys. And then just cross your fingers and hope it all hope it all works. And and look, the, the schedule is not so bad, especially in this stretch right here. I think this is a really you know they've they've, they've done themselves some favors with the two wins over the Clippers. Obviously, you've got the warrior, the Warriors tonight coming up, and then you've got the the Thunder and and, and Memphis, and so if you can if you can survive this, things kind of you, you, But the, that's what worries me, is that, Matt, is the is the lesser opposition that comes into Sacramento where the Kings might all of a sudden feel themselves a little bit and go yes. overconfident. Yes, that those are those games you can't lose. Those games, I and mean, we've seen this team has been, has been a better road team for whatever reason. Um, I don't know why that is, but I do like to think that. You know, some of the work that Luke Walton's staff has put into the defense has started to bubble to the surface. You're starting to see the fruits of that labor. And over the past month, and I know you've got an all star break mixed in there, but over the past month, this team seems playing pretty well. At least it's better than what we've seen earlier in the season. And if they can finish strong, who knows? And if it doesn't happen, I don't think it's the worst thing in the world because I don't think you, I don't, I forget I know we talked earlier in the season. I didn't predict playoffs, so. You know, I know it's been a disappointing season. I know there's injuries, and, I, and that's, that's awful. Uh, that's just the luck of Keys fans. But um, I didn't expect them to be in the playoffs. So I'm not sitting there, you know, tooting my own horn, but I think it, it'll, meet, it'll, it'll help meet some of the expectations. And I think you're still riding a good wave into the offseason and, and to see what could be because, all, all, to me, all this season was still about was still building that core, getting their minutes, develop, developing them. And, look, these will all be playoff games the rest of the way for this team. Um, that they're, they're actually meaningful. They've got something to, to play for. So let's see how they treat playoff games.
0: Yeah, one thing we know for sure, and I'm, you understand this better than anyone with the amount of years you've covered this team, especially during this entire drought, the fact that the Kings are playing meaningful games in the end of February and into the beginning of March is definitely a step in the right direction just based off of where this yeah. fan base has been. So at least there's at least there's that. If nothing else, we got that. We got meaningful games in March. <laughs>
1: that's all That's all we can ask for, meaningful uh, Meaningful games that are entertaining and that, uh, you know, you don't want to, like, you know, crush your head through the television
0: game. <laughs> well, Sean, thank you so much for taking the time here. Uh, thank you for being willing to appear just fresh off of uh, your trip to L.A. Appreciate all the coverage uh, that you provided over there, and I look forward to uh, uh, seeing more coverage throughout the rest of the season, seeing you soon when the Kings return to Sacramento, and uh, I appreciate you coming on. We'll have to do it again soon.
1: Sounds good, man. Look forward to it. Take care.
0: Huge thank you to Sean for taking the time to join me here again on the Locked on Kings podcast. If you enjoyed uh, what he said and, and what we talked about, let me know on Twitter at Matt George KDK. You can also follow him on Twitter at Sean Cunningham. Uh, feel free to shoot me an email as well. Any questions, comments that you have uh, about that interview and about our conversation, feel free to send it to mgeorge at SACLocalmedia.com. and as we wrap up here today, I have a favor to ask of you. If you haven't already, uh, if you can go and uh, leave a review of this podcast. The best place to do it is on iTunes or Apple Podcasts. That gets the most views, but wherever you listen to this podcast, if there is a review section, uh, please take the time to leave a review there, and it doesn't have to be five stars always positive, although that definitely helps us and helps me and my ego. Uh, But if you want to leave some constructive criticism, just your your genuine thoughts uh, on the quality of this podcast, uh, if you would recommend it, not recommend it, that's all fair game. We want to know how we can improve, uh, and we want to know what you and how you perceive uh, myself and this podcast and the Locked On Podcast Network as a whole, so please do that. I really would appreciate it. We will be back tomorrow to recap uh, this uh, hopeful Kings win over the Golden State Warriors tonight. I think we all agree we'll be very disappointed and almost disgusted uh, if the Kings manage to lose tonight uh, against the Warriors, who are the worst team in the Western Conference, who are expected to be without uh, Draymond Green tonight, although full injury report I'm sure will come out later on today, so be sure to keep an eye out for that, but we We'll return tomorrow, recap this game, plus a whole whole lot more Sacramento Kings coverage, as you can always expect here on the Locked On Kings podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.
1: You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast.
0: Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team, every day.